Hello, Clive here. Just to apologise for my sound quality, I had to use a little mic because my brother's mic... I was using my mum and my brother, and his mic had broken, which is the one I hoped to use, so I had to use a little thing, which doesn't sound as good as normal. Still listenable, but a bit shit. So, sorry about that. Um, Anyway, hope you still enjoy the show, because it's a good one. Bye! your head out of the clouds Get your feet back on the ground Get stuck into pop culture We'd stick around Hello there and welcome to Stick Around The podcast that triggers libtard snowflake cook TV creators <laughs> Sponsored by Froobs Or Gogurt for you Americans. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's not mention by name who we've, you know, called out there. <laughs> because he does listen. And he, he will be all over the shit. <laughs> and he just he listens as long yeah. as about him. Well, it's not mentioning by name, but he just won a BAFTA for the TV series that we all triggered him on last time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we say we. I mean, you triggered him, you know. Yeah, just I personally, yeah, we had nothing to do with it. Yeah, I, I personally um, still have opportunities to work with Mr. Shearsmith again. Oh, I said his name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, as a terrible host, I've not done any research in terms of what episode we're on. But this is a TV episode. I'm going to say 23, just completely out of the blue. Ooh, yeah, sounds about right. Sounds about and right. you know what? I'm probably reasonably right, <laughs> and that's all that matters. Um, I'm here with. Alex Wayne. Hey. And David Peeling. Hey. How are we both? We've been watching lots of television. I have actually. Um, there was. There seemed like there was a dry patch, but now everything's come back at once. I'm still waiting for The Handmaid's Tale to get a UK release. Um, but a lot of other good things on telly at the minute. Got two to cool. talk about today. Dave, you've been watching much? I have. I've definitely got out of watching big blockbuster hour-long episodes that you know i've definitely got out of that recently i don't really know why just got a life i suppose but I've, <laughs> i have been watching lots of other more bitty things but i've got uh i've got stuff to talk to us to you guys about today cool exciting i'm excited to see what we're thinking. i've uh, also got one to talk about i've been watching mainly just lots of films recently so not lots of tv but i've watched one in the last Probably like three months since the last episode, I don't know. <laughs> Feels like ages. Um, James Cable is currently swanning around Oklahoma. Why is um, so Oklahoma, he's got unavailable. Oklahoma, buying He's just sent me a picture of, he's just bought some Leninade, which uh, sounds like an excellent drink. Some what? Lenin is in like the communist? Yeah, Lenin is in, it's got a hammer and sickle on it, Leninade. How, Don't know what it tastes like. But bizarre that um, they're selling that in Oklahoma of all places, which I assume is the most conservative of all the states. <laughs> um, I don't know, but they are. Does it taste really bitter? Maybe that's the point. <laughs> Maybe. You're just supposed to hate it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'll ask him. I'll send him a message or report back. Um, right, let's get started with um, Al. I'm assuming you're in Stockton. I am, yeah. Um, Alan Stockton. I'm in Doncaster today for those interested. So a new, 
new place. Ooh, wow. I believe this could be the first time someone is sticking around Ooh. has recorded from Doncaster. I think it's the first time anybody's ever recorded anything other than CCTV footage in Doncaster. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Al, on that note, Shocking. what have you got for us first? Um, well, I've got two things I'm going to talk about. I'm going to start with a documentary series and um, that premiered, if you like, on Netflix in the start of March, or midway through March, sorry. Uh, it's called Wild Wild Country. Um, this is absolutely outstanding documentary series, continuing a you know a good run of form for Netflix in this vein. Um, about a subject that I've never even heard about before, but I can't believe I've never heard of it. Um, it's about the Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh and his commune uh, in Oregon. As for, before I go into it, have either of you heard of that before in your life? Um, I was just going to say, it sounds like a word you just made up. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh. Uh, Rajneesh. Sounds like someone trying to speak foreign, but with no idea. Well, I mean, that's probably how I sound. But anyway, it was um, there were a community of followers called the Rajneesh Puram community who were a um, very free love kind of, um, but kind of weirdly pro-capitalist cult, if you like. And they started in India under this guru. And then they bought a huge ranch in uh, Oregon, which they were turning in basically into a city, essentially. And they had a community of like 20,000 people there or something close to that. And they'd re- they dammed up rivers, they'd made roads. Um, the guru had about 90 Rolls Royces of his, of his own. Uh, and they were trying to take over this part of Oregon with, you know, an ultimate aim of becoming a huge thing in America. Um, it's an absolutely bizarre story. And it's told from all sides, really. So you get interviews with... Um, most of the people who were involved in the cult and you get interviews with the law enforcement who were trying to deal with them in the com- and the local community and it's absolutely fascinating because they are unlike any cult I've heard of before in that they seem to be loving capitalism um, or, you know, they seem to be almost like a free love you know, anti-establishment kind of thing but at the same time they're all about making the dough Um and you will question who is right and who is wrong in this, but ultimately <laughs> you will come to a decision. But it's an absolutely riveting series about a story that you, if you made it up, you people would say it was too far-fetched. Um, <laughs> I think, I believe, and this isn't a great thing, but I believe the love guru, <laughs> the awful Mike Myers film, was slightly influenced by this. Uh, but by the way, these events took part place in the eighties in America, so it wasn't even that long ago. Um, have, have you heard of this series at all? For a start, I've seen it on. Is it on Netflix? Am I getting that wrong? It is. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen the the banner thing, and I didn't even know it was a documentary. I sort of assumed it was a film, but <laughs> so that's that's as much as I've heard of it. it sounds really interesting. It is completely different to what I was expecting. I was expecting like a western based on. Yes, the, so was I. Yeah. Side. No, it's about an Indian an Indian cult, um, <laughs> free love Indian cult which loves capitalism, taking on the United States government basically, and you won't <laughs> believe the, the stuff that they got up to. You absolutely won't believe it. Um, David, had you looked into this at all? Um, yeah, I had heard of it. Yeah, I've I've heard good things about it. Um, I've not watched it yet myself. It's on my list. It's officially added to the list. 
Yeah, so it's been made by a production company called uh, Duplus Brothers Promote Productions, and funnily enough, I'm just watching another one of their productions that they've also just brought out called Evil Genius, which is also shaping up really well. They seem to be specialist in this kind of, you know, addictive docu series. Um, but I, for one, I'm most happy. So I, I love anything like that. So um, the Jinx, uh, I loved um, making a murderer. Anything like that. Because sometimes real life is just so much more fascinating than even fiction. Um, because I feel with real life, anything is more shocking when you hear that it actually happened. And um, what I loved about Wild Wild Country was how much access they had to people who were high up in this organisation. So they don't get interviews with um, the Bagwan, but that's because he's dead. But aside from that, they had interviews with uh, extensive interviews with his main um, assistant, Maran and Sheila and his lawyer and loads of his followers and um, and all of the top law enforcement people who were on the case as well so you couldn't get more of an insight into this it's a totally bizarre um, part of American history that I can't believe I didn't know about but yeah thoroughly recommended anyway you, it, you'll be addicted trust me I'm going to have to check this out yeah it sounds great <laughs> Um, right, Dave, what have you got for us first? Thank you very much. Um, so I've got two things to talk about today. The first one is um, uh, NBC's The Good Place. Um, it premiered in September 2016 and is available over here on Netflix. Uh, it's had two series now. The second one finished... Um, around about Christmas time but I only just started watching both uh, a couple of weeks ago and I binged every episode in about a four day period um, the series focuses on a woman called Eleanor uh, who wakes up in the afterlife and is introduced by um, Michael who is the architect of this, uh, this, this realm in the afterlife uh, telling her that she's in the good place a heaven like utopia that he designed in reward for righteous life. Um, Michael is played by Ted Danson and Eleanor is played by Kristen Bell, who you may remember from not Teenage Witch, the other one. Um, I don't remember that. Um, Veronica Mars? Yes, Veronica Mars. And um, it also also features um, Jamila Jamil, um, better known f- over here from hosting T4, I think. Uh, <laughs> William Jackson Harper, Manny Chiquito as uh, other residents of the Good Place. the The show uh, there are, there are twenty six episodes over the two series so far. They are all about twenty minutes long in the classic kind of American sitcom style. It's uh, I say it, it's set in the set in the afterlife that's overseen by Michael, who's played by Ted Danson. Ted Danson is um, is fantastic throughout this. He sports a, a new uh, silver fox haircut and uh, all-encompassing beard, and he looks truly wonderful. Um, he he is the his arch- he's been the architect of this of this universe, but it's the first time that he's been allowed to do it. Um, he's he's an immortal being, um, and it's the first time that he's taken on human form. And as he kind of learns what humans do it's you get some some brilliant moments of humor there um from from the way that he kind of tries to behave like a human um the 
the the show is shot in a really really beautiful visual style it's supposed to it's full of it's full of color and warmth the the cinematography and um it's really it's really um really appealing to the eye the the interplay between the 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 kind of four main characters the four main um characters that have come to the good place um as opposed to the bad place which is hell they they they're all they're all supposed to have come from really quite different backgrounds and um it's quite interesting the way that they um the way that they've all come to the good place and also um the kind of interactions that they all have are all brilliant um it's not a spoiler to tell you that in the first episode uh Eleanor realizes that she was not supposed to have been sent to the good place and that she's there by mistake and the lots of the humor therefore comes from her trying to fit in and trying to establish herself in the good place whilst everyone around her is morally brilliant um and she's definitely not for example when she realizes that she um she's not supposed to be in the good place she exclaims out loud fork and discovers that the good place has a uh, a swearing barrier so you can't swear uh leading to lots of you absolute shirt and um <laughs> and and mother forker references um the the show is um ha- has been now renewed for a third series the the difficulty with going through it is that i can't really give too much away but um Jamila Jamil is really surprisingly very good. I was kind of worried knowing that I I just kind of thought that she was a, a bit of a it girl TV presenter, but that was a, obviously a very naive and, and shallow opinion that I had. She's a really wonderful uh, actress in this. Ted Danson's character is absolutely fantastic. Uh but Kristen Bellas Eleanor really does carry the show. She is the she's the kind of pivot around which everything else um everything else in the show moves. It has a, a wonderful visual style. The jokes are very funny. They are they are um, quite madcap, and they're also really well thought out and clever. There's a brilliant bit where um, one character is trying to teach um, Eleanor philosophy, and she says, um, "Who on earth died and made Socrates in charge of philosophy?" And the teacher goes, "Well, Plato." <laughs> that, is, that is a good joke actually you know fair play <laughs> um uh, but it's yeah it's it's one of the one of my other favorite features and i know that like you two might appreciate this more than most people in this country is that one of the other characters absolute favorite um absolute favorite hero of all time and the person on whom he bases all his life's efforts is um Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback Blake Bortles <laughs> and whenever he whenever he charges into any situation he shouts Bortles <laughs> um it's 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 brilliant it's a really really good tv series i'm really looking forward to the third one coming out later um yeah, I can't. I can't recommend this enough. It's 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 brilliant. It's a lot of fun. It's really light hearted and easy to get into. But it has a it has running through it enough um, kind of um, a, a, enough kind of clever themes and interesting season length storylines that it it grabs you and, and and hooks you in. I've heard about this, but um, 
I I didn't really know much about it. To be honest with you, I, I kind of assumed it would be a bit naff, but this sounds really good. When are they all on Netflix? Did you say, or is it just? Yeah, they're all on that. They're all on Netflix, and the last episode of the of the the most recently released series aired in February. So you're not far behind the curve if you want to get into it. So there's, there's 26 episodes mm-hmm. over the two series. So um, for a kind of 20 minute American sitcom, it's there's not a lot of them. Um, if you see what I mean, because usually those kind of things are kind of twenty odd episodes a series, aren't yeah. they? But um, yeah, they're all on they're all on Netflix now. Cool. I'm gonna have to get into this. It, one, one of the slight one of the slightly annoying features of it when the third series comes out is it's one of these ones that will be released on a weekly basis when NBC airs them because they carry it in America. It's not a Netflix original, right. although it looks yeah, it brands itself as that over here, but it's it's not. It's an NBC show. Mm. Yeah, cool. I know Cable, uh, Mr. Oklahoma himself, is a big fan of this. He's been talking about it to me, so I need to watch it. The 20-minute episodes, definitely, yeah, is appealing. Because, like you, Dave, I struggle to... I've always struggled to listen to watch hour-long episodes. <laughs> but I can get, can get into 20-minute things more easily. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, would, I would suggest that once you've watched a couple of these, that you really do get into it... Um, it has a slightly annoying, or what I imagine will be a very annoying feature when you're watching it on a weekly basis, where basically the the end credits roll over a scene, which is essentially the first scene from the next episode. So the kind of the cliffhanger that they leave you with is not so much a cliffhanger as a kind of um, they, they just kind of throw you into the Grand Canyon. It's like it's like it's it's really it just it just makes you go well what why don't I get to watch the rest of that scene from the next episode? Huh. Um, <laughs> but which is fine when you're binge watching it on Netflix, although it makes it really hard to stop and come oh, away I from bet, the television. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, I'm going to save mine till last. You know, you know. Right, okay. Controversial move. So, Al, do you want to go <laughs> give us your yeah, second Yeah, no one? problem. Yeah. So this will be a bit longer than my first um, because there's more to analyse, really. But um, this is the return of Westworld. For season two. Now I don't believe either of you are fans of this. I know Cable is. Um, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to talk about any spoilers or not. I'm going to say no. I'm going to try and go into this without spoiling it. However, any future episodes we do will include Westworld spoilers. So I'll try and skirt around right now. So um, we're three episodes into season two. Um, This will include spoilers for season one though, by the way. I'm just not going to spoil season two. Uh, so, the end of season one, the robots have revolted. Uh, they've, for the most part, or at least with some of the robots, gained full sentience. And they are taking hum- humanity to task, slaughtering um, the hu- remaining humans in the park. And the company in charge, Delos, have sent in the security team to try and get things back into control. Uh, Westworld season two opens... Uh, across two timelines, a bit like the first season did, albeit we didn't know until right near the end. Uh, so we focus on um, Jeffrey Wright's character, B- Bernard uh, Lowe, who is um, a host who only just, or another one of the robots essentially, if you're not familiar with the terms, who's only just discovered he is a host. Um, he, You can see his two adventures in the park as he's with with the actual park security, and then another time when he's actually embedded in the rebellion, if you like, led by Dolores, played by even Rachel Wood. Um, this kind of picks up exactly where um, the first season left it, really. 
really intelligent, uh, brutally violent storytelling. Um, and the twist in this season, I suppose, is the fact that everything seems to be for keeps, if you like. Um, the robots, uh, can, or the hosts, can be resuscitated, obviously, uh, but they can't be repaired unless they have access to the, um, the actual technicians. And the guests and the, the main human characters can be killed for once. Um, Ed Harris's character, the man in black, uh, delights in this because he felt that the one thing was missing from his little holidays into Westworld was an actual threat to himself. Um, so he's finally playing the game he wants to play. And as we see him journey into basically a heart, a heart of darkness even further, um, the production values on this show are unbelievable. Like um, The world building is incredible. And we do see them branch out into other worlds within Westworld here. So in the last episode, this is going to be a minor spoiler, we do see the start of Samurai World. Uh, and I believe it was called... I don't want to call it something wrong, but it was something like a Indian world, essentially going tiger hunting. Um, I mean, I think Westworld essentially paints humanity in a very, very bad light. And um, the actual artificial intelligence on display here seems to be more human, more nuanced than the human characters, which is not obviously uh, by design. Um, written by Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy, uh, Jonathan Nolan, the brother of Christopher, probably best known for writing as or part writing the Batman films, of the Dark Knight films that is, and Memento, which is one of my favourite films. No, no surprise with the writing talent on display there. Did and I know you hadn't watched it last time, but did did either of you try to start this? I've not had a chance to start it. Um, I, I, it's, it's definitely a show that I. It's really, really high on my list. I've just not got the Wi-Fi to, to you know, surf the pirate waves, nor a, um, nor a subscription to, you know, the Evil Empire that I require to access it. You know, not not on the pirate, while safe in harbour. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I mean, this is so up your street, though. I know you said you've gone off mm. the the big one hour episode telly I'm, but I'm not, I've not gone off I've just I've just not been watching it right okay all. you know I don't know I've just I've found it very difficult to build up the momentum yeah I mean um, I think I mean Clive you were a fan of um, Ex Machina weren't you if, as I recall um, I was yeah I really liked so, Ex Machina yeah I mean it's not the same as Ex Machina but a lot of the themes that you get in Ex Machina you will get in this and there, there is the same kind of peculiar kind of feeling to it and I I would I know you're not a big fan again of the long format TV show, but I could imagine you liking this a lot. Uh, I yeah, I mean it's one I want to watch, which is why I was zoning out a bit there because I know you said you were going to spoil season one a little bit. So. Right, okay. <laughs> I zoned out a bit. Yeah, but same. yeah, it is one that I want. It is one that I want to watch because people keep telling me that I'd like it, um, especially with uh, does it have some quite gamey aspects? Uh, no, it does. Yeah, so uh, essentially, yeah. Um, Westworld is like a. A visceral computer game, essentially. So the hosts are all um, almost three D printed robots who um, essentially look and act and are essentially built up of the same component components as a as a human, albeit with um, some internal mechanics. So they bleed like a human. Um, they perspire. Uh, they you know they breathe the same way, except that you know they're built on you know artificial intelligence that can be manipulated. And um, 
<clears throat> rich rich people go to Westworld to act out their fantasies. You know, they can do what they want. They can kill as many people as they want. They can uh, have sex. They can rape if that's what they want to do. They can, um, you know, they can fulfill their darkest desires, essentially. And um, it really puts a question on, you know, how moral this could be. Uh, but then again, I suppose somebody would say that could uh, have said in the past the same about computer games. Um, although this isn't quite... Um, when you're killing someone in a computer game, I suppose, there's a little bit more of a disconnect as to when you're actually killing someone up close who looks and sounds exactly like a human. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, there is certainly gaming aspects to it. I know Jonathan Nolan, one of the writers, is a big gamer, um, at least from what I've read, so that, that wouldn't surprise me. And um, the kind of the intricacy of the writing, you can you can see Memento in this. You can see Inception, uh, two of the films he helped write. Um, and it, it's just it is just exceptionally dense writing. I mean, this series has a lot to live up to from the last one, and it's perhaps not quite as intricate because in in the last one, um, it's set across three different timelines. Not that you exactly know that all the time but in this one you kind of it's difficult for them to pull the wool over your eyes because you know exactly where we're at um, but they've done they've, they've done mm. a good job so far i think the one thing it has to be really careful to fall into is just um repetition of the gunfights um but everybody does like a good bit of action i mean the cast in this as well is incredible you've got evan rachel wood thandy newton jeffrey wright james marsden tessa thompson um Luke Hemsworth, uh, the lesser one of the lesser known Hemsworth brothers, um, Ed Harris. Um, obviously, in the first season, you even had Anthony Hopkins. So this this is proper like um, movie standards, you know, production values, movie standard casts, and HBO who make it clearly consider this their successor to to Game of Thrones. Um, although I don't think it'll have that kind of appeal long term, but from what I understand, it costs similar a similar amount of money to make. Um, I just can't wait. I mean, we're three episodes in. It'll be a ten-episode season again. Um, I can't really see exactly where they're going, but that, that's a good thing. Uh, one of the problem, the only problem I had with the first season is I predicted one of the main twists, um, which kind of took the fun out of it. I think sometimes you need to engage your brain so that you are really taking in the material, but at the same time, maybe dull down the prediction part of your brain because sometimes you spoil it for yourself. Um, but yeah, anyway, I would I would highly recommend this. Um, that was such a fucking humble brag. <laughs> you think? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's really hard being a genius in the world, just floating around, <laughs> being able to predict the emotions and feelings of other humans. And sometimes it's just so difficult to turn it off. If only everyone could be as good at writing plot points as I. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously, um, you give me some deep psychoanalysis there, and you know that's a fair, fair analysis point, probably. You know, it's, it's hard. It's hard being this brilliant um, when you're just having to watch the work of mere mortals. Um, In the words of Kermit, it ain't easy being green, or well, whatever he said. Anyway, yeah, this is highly recommended. Um, I was just to know what Cable thinks as well. Um, I'm assuming he will catch up. I know he's a fan of this, and Michael's also a fan. I think Michael will probably come on one of the episodes towards the end, maybe when it's over. He'll want to talk about it. Uh, cool. 
Maybe I'll try and catch up, but who knows what'll happen. I imagine uh, Cable's probably watching yeah. America. Why is, he in, why is he in Oklahoma, he's by the way? Fan. He's meeting a friend. Um, in, so, o- in Oklahoma? Apparently. A friend right, in Oklahoma, okay. yeah. So he's just there wow. for a couple of weeks, having a whale of a wow. time. I imagine. <laughs> Running around fields, what else is there? Um, I, the wind comes rushing across the plain, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, they had a big bombing there once. I mean, that's all I know it for, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, true. Yeah, classic bombing that was. That's about it, really, isn't it? Oh, um, that's what you go there for. Uh, yeah. It's it's a major producer of natural gas, oil, is and it? agricultural. Bigger, is it? Is it oh, the biggest? Go. Yeah. No, it wouldn't surprise me. But there's a lot no, of it's just just major. Oh, oh, uh, wrestling commentator Jim Ross is from Oklahoma. Good old oh, JR. Yeah, right. Everyone loves JR. Now I understand. I don't know who he is, but I'm sure he's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dave, what have you got for us next? Um, well, thank you. So, uh, what I'm going to talk about now is one that actually has been out for a few years and I've been a big fan of for a, for a long time. Um, it's uh, Arrested Development. So, um, Arrested Development first came out in 2009, something like that, originally, and had a three-series run on, uh, on Fox. It's, um, it's, I think, fair to say that people who um, have come across this show and have followed it turn out to almost always be massive fans i'm not sure that i've met anyone who has a middling opinion on the first three first couple of series of arrested development either people have maybe not got it or didn't give it enough time or they've become enormous fans for me it's absolutely one of my favorite tv programs of all time it's uh created by mitchell Hurwitz. Uh, originally aired on fox as i said between 03 and 06 um it follows the fictitious bluth family um, who are a utterly m- myopic, dysfunctional, uh, narcissistic group of people, um, and um, it's it, it's shot in a kind of handheld, almost a kind of docu- pseudo documentary style. It has a kind of it has something about that a, a feel, and is um, narrated throughout by Ron Howard, um, who is a kind of omniscient. Uh, narrator who knows exactly what everyone's thinking or doing and what's going to come next and that creates an awful lot of the humour um, after its original three series run it spent most of its final series under threat of being uh, cut by Fox and a number of the episodes uh, allude to it quite heavily they weren't sure what week they were going to stop making the show essentially um, something that has kind of been played out recently with um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine in the US and um, uh, Last Man on Earth and things like that. Fox's reputation for kind of cutting comedy before it's before it's ready. It, it, um, it yeah, as I say, it died originally in two thousand and six, and then was picked up by Netflix for a fourth series. It, it was picked up a number of years before the series came out, and an awful lot of fans were were absolutely uh, dying to see what the fourth episode was like and it's it's cut in 2006 had given it almost like a a kind of mythical element it became one of the all-time great tv shows that disappear before their time along with things like deadwood 
the fourth series of 15 episodes was released in May of 2013 and um, brought all the cast back together. Um, the cast has become... It, some of the elements of it were pretty big at the time, but certainly since the first series came on, the, the cast success have, has skyrocketed. So uh, it stars Jason Bateman, Portia de Rossi, Will Arnett, Michael Serra, Alia Shawkat, Tony Hale, David Cross, Jeffrey Tambor and Jessica Walter. Now, Tambor and, to an extent, Bateman were, were famous before this. Arnett I knew from a couple of things, but I think this was about the first role that Michael Serra had been in. Tony Hale has gone on to great success with Veep and a number of other things. David Cross is now considered one of the best stand-up comedians in America. So one of the difficulties that Netflix had with the fourth series was getting everyone back into the same room. They they failed really hard. Um, the fourth series took the, uh, the, the, the style of the first three and completely threw it out of the window. Because they couldn't get everyone into the room at the same time, they went with a kind of Rashomon-style episode structure whereby they followed the same story but from one character's point of view in each episode kind of repeating the same time period in each episode but from a different character's perspective which meant that they never ended up in the room at the same time and all the comedy of this show came about from the characters interactions with each other and by splitting them all out it lost a great deal of that it became a bit complicated a bit slow not funny enough and um, by the end, when the characters were all pieced together, you could tell that the issue that they'd had were, was the fact that everyone couldn't be in the same room together because you spend a great deal of each episode watching awful green screen and um, proper old school tropes of characters being filmed um, from one perspective whilst you're looking at the back of a head of a completely generic brown haired man who's supposed to be the other character. It, it was a real disappointment. Um, it, it had a lot of promise. People were very excited about it, and I think it really fell flat. Very interestingly, though, um, Mitchell Hurwitz, the showrunner, seemingly at some point, or the studio at some point, kind of heard these, these uh, exclamations from fans, and over the last couple of years has re-edited the fourth series from its 15-episode Rashomon style original to a 22 episode um, more traditional format each episode now plays out chronologically through the series so each character's story is followed in each, each episode every character is more or less in each episode and the idea being that some of the jokes then kind of uh, have a different weight uh, some of the things become a little bit more easy to follow um, however it's it, it really had a massive hill to climb and it didn't do it very well unfortunately what some of the some of that is not necessarily its own fault uh one plot line sees uh george bluth played by jeffrey tambor trying to buy up land so that he can win a government contract to build a war between the us and mexico which in 2015 was supposed to be absurd in 2013, it was supposed to be absurd, sorry. Another plot line sees George Michael Bluth, played by uh, Michael Serra, both be one named after George Michael, <laughs> rest in peace, and um, trying to build software to um, block Facebook from having too much access to your personal life, 
again, something not not so absurd anymore. Um, by by shifting the show around and re-editing it, the 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 basic problem that they never got all the cast into the room at the same time is still writ large. The you know they've not done anything. They didn't reshoot anything. Nothing. No one came back into the studio. The only thing that's been redone is the narration by Ron Howard. The narration by Ron Howard has always been rather. Um, it's, it's it's interesting if you kind of concentrate on it. It does kind of explain a lot of stuff that other shows would have written into the written into the story and the narrator kind of fills in a couple of the gaps in this however he does an awful lot of heavy lifting with some episodes where it feels like he's spoken for more than half of the entire show as he tries to pull together these completely disparate scenes uh, with disparate feels with people not in the same room with with horrible green screening going on um it's it's better in that it's slightly easier to follow and it's better in that you get to see the characters that you were interested in, like Job and Tobias, back um, early in the series. You actually get to see them. One of the big problems with the fourth one was that there were some of your favourite characters you wouldn't get to see till the kind of the last two thirds of the, the series. So this does kind of meet a little bit in the middle, but it's still dealing with fundamentally flawed and problematic stories. Uh, characters shooting schedules the big thing that it does do for me though is that it gives me confidence that the studio has listened the fact that they've taken uh, a program that's already been put out years before and recut it in in response to the um, the audience's feedback is a really interesting idea so many times you hear about art one of the difficulties in creating art is being is is knowing when to put it down and release it as a final ver and you know let let people see it um deal with it and so many times i would kind of suggest that maybe it's not good to go back and retroactively try and apply modern values opinions whatever on on artistic products that have already been released artistic creations that have already been released but this I think has not suffered from from its re-release. If anything, it does do quite a job of patching over some of the gaps from from the original. And there have been obvious successes, things like um, Blade, the original Blade Runner, come to mind, where you can go back in and and play around with um, with the original and come up with a better product, better idea, better thing. And so. Whilst I am slightly disappointed that this didn't fix all the problems of the fourth series, it gives me a great deal of confidence that the fifth series, which is due out in the next few weeks, will have been made with those comments from the fourth series in mind. My hope and my dreams for the fifth series is just that we get to see all the cast in the room at the same time as we did for the first three series. Get to see them bouncing off one another, get to see them behaving like complete idiots one of the one of the best features of this show is that all the characters are in their own way utter narcissists um they some are some are some are benign some are inherently good some are verging on evil but they're all narcissists and 
a room full of narcissists reacting to each other and trying to get their own way out of any given situation is funny. A series watching a narcissist be a narcissist completely in isolation is not that interesting, and that's what the fourth had. The fifth, if that responds to these kind of criticisms that they've tried to overcome with the fourth series' remix, does that half well, then I think... uh, Uh, the the fifth should be pretty good and it has actually got me very excited for the fifth something that I wasn't in 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 2013 after the release of the fourth so the remix is there for you to go watch on Netflix interestingly they've moved the original cuts of series four out of the episode listings they're into the kind of trailers and more section so it's they're a bit hidden Uh, and the fourth series is now there it will auto play after the end of the third etc um so if you if you were dismayed by the by the by the fourth originally but want to give the thing another go think that it's given you enough uh, kind of good credit in the past that you're willing to give it another chance i definitely recommend you give this a go my guess is you probably might not get all the way to the end of it i haven't and i'm not too fussed about it but i already knew series four was broken um, if if Mitch Hurwitz has has listened to the fans, if Netflix has heard that um, that feedback from the last time and has decided that they're going to pay whatever it takes to get the cast in the same room to avoid that bad feedback and get their IP back on track, then um, I think season five could be really good. Oh, this is interesting. This uh, <clears throat> so I I think I mentioned well I definitely mentioned it before we started, and I, I mentioned I think I must have mentioned it in a pod before. I always thought that um, season four could have been better if it was just edited differently. So it's interesting that you're saying that it hasn't, still hasn't really worked. But like, like you said, though, it is really encouraging that they listened and they acted upon it. And that do, just like you said, that does make me more enthusiastic for this fifth season, which I wasn't excited about at all, um, aside from that. I mean, the first three seasons are absolutely hilarious. Uh, some of the best comedy of the last 20 years. Um, who, for the record, who's your favourite character if you had to pick one, Dave? Uh, I mean, it's, it's either yeah, Joe or Tobias. The obvious ones. I think probably, maybe just about. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's Joe <laughs> or Tobias. Um, I'll, I'll take Joe. You can have Tobias. But, but 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 they but they all they're all. You know they're all funny yeah, in their own yeah. different ways, and some are brilliant foil. Even the even the less funny ones are brilliant foils for the yeah. for the others. Um, I mean, and so 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 characters like um, Blesser Lindsay were never going to carry well, exactly, yeah. by themselves. They 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 were they were foils and double act partners for for some of the other characters. Gives Tobias some of his best lines by being there. You know, in the room with him. It, you know they have they have they have their place as part of an ensemble. I still think I mean Arrested Development is responsible for the greatest job title of all time. <laughs> An Alrapist. Just funny written down. Um, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's it, it's it's brilliant, brilliant television, and it was it was complicated, and it it had some kind of recurring themes and it it kept paying off after repeat views i think this is probably probably the tv program i've watched the most uh, you know on on repeat Mm. i think maybe maybe something like friends might pip it 
or um, some really good episodes of the <laughs> news from, from the 90s. But um, it, it, it keeps on paying off. Every single time you watch it, you see something new. I've watched these series seven, eight, nine times through, and I see something new every single time. They're so in-depth and beautifully done and, and so thoughtfully done. So it was so disappointing to see the fourth one like it was. And, yeah, it is definitely better. And you're absolutely right, Al. It, with the re-editing is, is an interesting idea. If they'd shot the programme with the idea that they'd do it chronologically through the series, it would have been much, much better still. But um, the I think, actually, I'm kind of... By remixing it, I you kind of see how much work they had to do in, in Series 4 to hide the fact yeah. that they weren't all together. And by remixing it to put them into the same try and put them into the same place, those those cracks grow larger, if anything. Um, it, it can't... There's only so much re-editing can be oh. done when the, when the you know, each when each individual scene it only has oh, one of the characters yeah. in it. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult. Interesting. Um, Arrested Development's one of those that I've been meaning to watch for ages, but never really... I've seen the odd episode. I've never watched enough. And I've enjoyed what I've seen. If I need to go through that, I think I think point. it used to be. Did it used to be on BBC it did, yeah. Two? It did at one point. And I and I saw a few episodes here and there, kind of on. It had a really horrible slot. It was like Tuesday at quarter past eleven or something, and um, it was always kind of bitty and moved around the schedule and stuff. And I never really got into it. And then I I don't really know how I got so totally into it, but. The box set of the three series was out, and and so that DVD was in my never left the DVD player, and I watched it before bed every single night for for several years. It, it was yeah, it's it, it's definitely something that needs to be binged. It you, yeah. know, or you need to watch it in chunks. You need to watch a couple of episodes at a time, or you need to watch them in consecutive days because they are they have so many so many so mo- so many of the jokes are callbacks and throwbacks and and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, all on Netflix now, so that's yeah. easy enough to do. Mm. Cool, awesome. Yeah, well, that's some good stuff. Um, I'll just finish off quickly with one thing I've been watching, which is Gaycation, uh, which I watched on I think it was on iPlayer. I feel like it's um, made by Vice, um, executive produced by Spike Jones and a bunch of other people I hadn't heard of. Its first episode was aired in April 2016, I believe. There's three series now. They've got about six episodes each. Um, Gaycation basically is about um, Ellen Page uh, and her friend Ian Daniel, both who are um, openly gay, go around various countries or even places in America and Canada um, to go see basically what the LGBTQ scene is like in that place and what it's like to live as an LGBTQ person in that country or town or city or wherever they happen to go. it's generally done through both of them interviewing kind of people on the ground as well as speaking to activists kind of campaigning on their cause or against their cause. Um, so it gives it gives kind of a real nicely rounded picture of each of these places and kind of what it's like to live as an LGBTQ person in them. Um, there's, they have, I really, really like the show. I thought it was fantastic. I've watched all three seasons now. Me and Beck watched it. I loved pretty much every episode I thought was great. Um, I think what really makes it is they have a really a very empathetic interview style. Um, Ellen cries on camera numerous times. She's not your kind of detached um, BBC journalist, professional interviewer. Um, she has a much more kind of empathetic 
um, because obviously she's been through a lot of the things that the people she's interviewing are going through. Um, you can see that, and it's the same with, with Ian. They're just incredibly kind of empathetic people and really, I don't know, just seem to ask the right questions and make you feel the right things and get to the bottom of how people are actually feeling, and you can see that they can empathise with that, and I thought that was really nice. Um, it's a real eye-opener because... We feel like, I think in Britain, because of, you know, the LGBTQ is, has got very progressive and we've got, there's much more tolerance towards a lot of these things, which is great, but um, in a lot of places there isn't, and even in places where you think, one of my favourite episodes was um, Rio, and I thought, oh, they've got the carnival there and everything, it seems like it's probably pretty open-minded. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, on the carnival it is, but then as soon as that's finished, there's, there's all this crap going on. And um, I don't know, it's just kind of, I cried numerous times watching it because it's just, unbelievable especially a lot of the trans uh, people at interviews are just horrible because they're pretty much all just got completely disowned by their families and they're all just homeless um in you know in the favelas and whatever else and it's just horrible it's just like how can people just disown people for being themselves i couldn't <laughs> quite understand it but it was always pretty much whenever they interviewed someone who was against them or whatever it was almost always for some religious reason or some, you know, it's not natural or some shit like that. Um, and ugh, you just wanted to... And uh, Ellen and Ian weren't afraid to kind of confront any of those kind of things. They didn't just sit there and take it. They came up with very good arguments against what they were saying and, you know, the people just clearly just, you know, bigot, <laughs> bigots that aren't going to change their opinions on it um, and because their opinions aren't based on any sort of anything that you could argue against because they're just based on something ridiculous. But, yeah, I thought it was a really, really eye-opening show, and there's some really, really especially good episodes. The two that stick out are the Rio one, like I said, and there's also a really, really good one about um, Orlando, which they do after the shootings, which is a really, really good episode, and gets a lot more insight into what happened there. Yeah, it's just, I think, something that everyone should watch, because I think a lot of people underestimate um, how difficult it is to grow up as an LGBTQ person in... I still think it's difficult here, but it's particularly difficult in a lot of other places. And a lot of places are so regressive, I suppose, or so behind, that it's kind of mind-boggling. Um, but I suppose everything has to grow at its own pace or whatever, but... Yeah. It's really... You can't just go into a place and say, this is how it should be and everyone's going to believe it. But that's kind of frustrating. <laughs> yeah. when, when, you, when you come from somewhere that is a bit more forward-thinking and where that thought just seems ridiculous, the things that some people are saying. But, yeah, it's a really, really eye-opening show that I think everyone should watch. Mm. And I've not heard many people who have watched it. I think most people have heard of it. Um, but I think really everyone should I've, watch I've it. I've heard really the name, but I haven't, I haven't seen it. I didn't know what it was about. Um, did you say it was on Vice? It was, it, it's a Vice show, yeah, and I'm pretty sure I watched it on iPlayer. I certainly watched it on one of the streaming. I'm right, pretty okay. sure it was iPlayer. Okay, I might have to look into that. Um... If not, it's or if not, it's all for one of those two. Vice actually <laughs> makes some pretty good documentaries in general. Um, it's one of their strengths. I'm not always their biggest fan because sometimes mm. they can be way too hipster, but um, they do make some really good alternative documentaries actually. So th this sounds pretty good. Yeah, I, I mean, what put you onto it? Did you just see it randomly and thought, oh, that sounds good? Um, well, I think Beck was watching it. Had started watching it, and she was like, oh, do you want to watch this? And then yeah, we just watched the first one. It was really good, and then. Just carried on watching it, so I don't know how she mm. got onto it. We're both big Ellen Page fans, so I assume. Yes, yeah, she's a good, very good actress. <laughs> part, yeah. of, part of what led her onto it. Uh, so, and yeah, she just seems like she's kind of quite a shy. She seems like quite a shy person. Uh, she's not the your standard front 
person to be leading a show, if you know what I mean. But I think that makes it stand out a bit, and it has a, a kind of a different feel to it because neither of them are particularly, you know, they're not all action. Uh, you know, being really loud in front of the camera. <laughs> yeah. Quite the opposite most of the time. But I thought that was refreshing. Yeah, I still, Ellen Page, I still think, has put in one of the best performances I've ever seen. Have you, have you seen the film Hard Candy? Um, I don't know. That's Is that one of her first ones? I, I need yeah, to so that. it's really good. She plays, I mean, she's obviously much older when she actually filmed it, but she plays, like I, I believe, a 14-year-old girl in it, uh, where yeah. she traps a paedophile, basically. And she, But she's brilliant in that. Um, and she's just... It's like a revenge fantasy sort of thing. Um, it's a really good underrated film actually, uh, but she's really—I mean, she's really good in everything I've seen her in. But um, that stands out to me. Cool. I mean, I first saw her in Juno, which I loved. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I agree. Everything I've seen her in has been great. Cool. Um, I guess that has anyone got anything else to talk about? Um, not massively. I mean, I started this. Um, this I did mention it earlier, a show called Evil Genius, which is also a docu-series on Netflix, which is about, um, it was, I believe it's in the, I've only watched the first episode, so it's hard to say, but I'm already hooked. It's about a bombing in the 90s, where, in fact, have you seen the film 30 seconds or less, 30 minutes or less? I, don't, I feel no. like I've heard of yeah, it, but not it's, seen it's it. Lo- yeah. It's loosely based on this real event where somebody basically made a device, it's almost like a handcuff, but it went around someone's neck and had a bomb at the back. And they gave them 30 minutes to rob a bank and go on almost like a treasure hunt. And it ended with a police mm-hmm. stand-up and this guy died. And then this series is about um, kind of the person who planned this. And it's I get the feeling it's going to spiral into something that is beyond belief, but it really happened. Um, I, 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 would, I can't recommend it yet because I haven't finished it, but... Um, it does seem really exciting. Um, aside from that, I've been I've started uh, Dear White People uh, season two, which I'm a big fan of. Um, I was a big fan of the first season. I was a big fan of the film, um, and the second season's on comparable form. It's not always something which um, I can fully relate to because I'm not part of the the same kind of US culture. But it's it's eye opening and it's really funny and um, well done. Yourself, Clive, have you watched anything else recently? No, I've been watching through Ghibli, but that's more uh, film-related. <laughs> Not really been watching any TV shows. So, need to get back on that, I suppose. But, yeah. It's just, it, I don't watch many, but now and again something caps me, a bit like Gaycation, and we watch through that. But, yeah, it hasn't been. It's usually led by Beck watching something and me thinking, oh, this looks interesting. <laughs> yeah. I've been, I've been watching, um, just started watching uh, Detectorists, Oh, which right. is um, Mackenzie. Is that the Crook. one where they like? Sorry to interrupt. Like they uh, look for stuff under the ground with like, metal detectors and sounds. Precisely weird. that. Yeah. yeah so cool. it, it was it was on BBC Four originally. Uh, it had three series. They're, it's finished now. They're not making any more. But it was ri- ri- written by, created by, directed by Mackenzie Crook, and it stars him and Toby Jones. Um, I've watched the first couple of episodes and it seems really good so far. I'm definitely going to keep on watching it. It's very, it's kind of sedate and interesting and gentle. It, it's it's funny, but it's not like an outrageous, you know, grab your sides kind of side splitter. It's it's one of these kind of, particularly on the BBC, they come along every now and again where it's they're kind of kind of thoughtful and almost lovely type, you know, 
like comedy light drama type things. It, it, it's good. It's I'm, I'm enjoying it. They're kind of there's not many characters, and they have a they have a nice kind of interesting relationship with each other. Um, I'm looking forward to a new series of Glow, which comes out pretty soon. Yes. I think. Um, and oh, I've I've also a new series of Friday Night Dinner is out. I can't remember if I've talked about that or not on Channel Four, um, with the two kind of main bods from the Inbetweeners, uh, Tamsin Grieg as well, is in there. It's uh, that is just fucking stupid. And then in a really good way, <laughs> it is stupid. And then the other interesting TV news is: Have you seen that they've recommissioned Rick and Morty? Have you seen this? Did you see this news? Uh, no. What's that? Yes, I saw Kanye coming together. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Rick, Rick and Morty. We've discussed before. I think there are three series of it at the minute. Yeah, three seasons, about thirty odd episodes. Uh, Adult Swim, who who uh, made it, have commissioned it for a further seventy episodes. Wow, they're confident. <laughs> Yeah, so twice as many has been produced so far, and they're in the middle of what I think is about a three or four year hiatus. Because hiatus, hiatus. Let's call the whole thing off. Um, and basically, they, I think they kind of spunked out all the <laughs> all the shows that they had to, that they've been able to draw all in quite quick succession, and basically it kind of hit extraordinary levels of popularity kind of towards the end of the third series and they just hadn't had time to draw, make, write more. So they said they were going to go on to quite a long hiatus whilst they created more. And so in that time, Adult Swim have announced another 70 episodes, so it'll be going for another few years yet. Mm. I still need to finish watching them. Um, I'm enjoying what I've seen so far. Yeah, I I love it. Um, It's one of those shows that has almost limitless potential but will find, you know... It will go stale eventually, maybe after another 70 episodes. But um, well, ho- Hopefully, yeah, the 71st episode is now. Yeah, that, they just call it off at that point, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, my, my only worries, yes, I, you're absolutely right, it does have, there is, you know, it could go anywhere and everywhere. Yeah, there is no, but, no um, limit. It's just whether whether af- after that many, you've got, you've, you, you know, it, it, whether they'll handle any changes in the kind of creative cast, in, in the um, the kind of, writers or, or anything like that that will you know it, it we talk that's that's a multi 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 year project and everyone's got to be just as into it and excited by it for that length of time or they've got to handle transition well and those are all risks so we'll, it'll be interesting mm-hmm. hopefully it hopefully it holds up and it doesn't go uh doesn't go shit right hopefully cool um oh by the way um the handmaid's tale is i've just found the date for it it's coming back to the uk on the 20th of may so next week I can't wait. Um, oh, May is going to be really busy for TV releases. Uh, the new Arrested Development is out in in that month, in, in before the end of this month. Glow is out in, oh, maybe that's the start of June, actually. There's loads of things coming out really soon. Well, just so I can stay in yeah, when it gets goodbye nice. Goodbye, life. Psych. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you know what film I was watching yesterday? Um, I haven't seen it in ages. Cool Runnings. Don't know why it came, and I just I don't know why I'm bringing that up. But you know what? What a film that is. <clears throat> There's a particular bit in it which I absolutely loved, um, which I've decided to adapt for the purpose of the podcast. So bear with me. Feel the rhythm. Feel the rhyme. Go for it, Clive. It's plug time. Plug time. Hey. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to do a plug time, and then I wasn't so sure anymore. 
thought you were randomly going to go into just, cool just, be, just before you go, just before you, just before you do the plug, can you can you kind of um, fulfil your natural born role as uh, a member of the Swiss bobsleigh team and dismiss Al's little rhyme? <laughs> <laughs> Eins, zwei, drei. <laughs> What is that rhyme, Jamaica? (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember what they do. I think it's just eyes dry, dry, loss. But I can't remember. (laughs) They do a really boring one. Um, Swiss people are a bit more... Some Swiss people are quite boring, to be fair. I would say we are, on average, more boring than Jamaicans. Well, the thing is, I'll, I'll take I, I think you could say that of nearly every nation on earth, probably. I mean, I... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair play. I used to work with uh, a lot of Jamaicans at my last school, and yeah, pretty much all of them were very entertaining. So, seems to hold water. <laughs> did you used to hit them on the back of the helmet really hard? <laughs> we did used to have a uh, Swiss-Jamaican rivalries based on cool running. So, <laughs> good times. Um, right, at StickAroundCast on Twitter, StickAroundPodcast.com on the interwebs, there's lots of articles. I'm busy writing some Studio Ghibli ones. Uh, there's also top ten lists of pretty much everything you could ever want for 2017. Um, slash Podcast on Instagram. I'm going, uh, going without my sheet here. Stick, Podcast at gmail.com, send us an email. Or go to the website, click on contact us, you can fill out a form and ask us a question. We'll answer it on the show, or just tell us we're great. We'll also read that on the show because you know it makes us feel good. Um, and you can go on Just Giving. I've got, again not got the link, and it's a really, really elongated one. But if you just search for Stick Around on Just Giving, you can give some money to, uh, towards shelter in our name for all the awesome work we do. And I think that about covers it. Have I missed something out? Oh, give us reviews on iTunes, goddammit. Apparently, everyone's always raving about if you get a review on iTunes, you go up the ranks, people listen. So if people could do that, that'd be awesome. I did try and uh, cheat the system a bit. Couldn't. Uh, oh, wow. Foolproof system. Thought I could just make loads of accounts, but I have to keep linking a different credit card. I've only got one card. <laughs> Didn't work. Clive, I think you should sacrifice your credit rating uh, for the purpose of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I think we're back next time with games, if I'm right. Yeah, I'm excited about games. I've got loads to talk about. Cool. Excellent. Um well, it's been great talking to you guys. Um, Dave, have you been playing a lot of... Have you got a lot of games to talk about? Because I know Clive's got a busy month, busy week, if you like. No, not really. Okay. Well, get playing, yeah? Then, you know, <laughs> yeah, okay. Put yeah, you yeah, back sure. into it. Um, <laughs> right, cheers, cheers very much for listening, guys. Um, come back next time for games. Bye-bye. Cool. Stick around. Stick around. Stick around. Stick around. Thank you all for listening Rest assured that you have found The best podcast in the universe It's Stick Around What was that podcast, Jamaica?